0: So this is the interview uh with hannah spanky and you are a somatic healer a relationship expert which we are as well a tantra teacher and a spiritual life coach so welcome so much
1: i think there's always this kind of longing on a soul level to merge which is you know a very classy way of saying codependency (laughs) that is what people want and we say
0: soulmate right (laughs) for that reason Mm -hmm. right
1: like two halves of a Uh whole if i was was gonna stay in that kind of paradigm of of relationships where I'm buying into the whole one half other half thing, I'm gonna continue to find half of a person. You are doing yourself and the world a disservice by using this temporary experience of human life to be anything other than that unique expression of the divine. You are the only one on this planet right now that is that expression and will ever be. And so there is no other way for you to be That can actually fulfill your purpose here.
0: This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient, or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique... All listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved.
2: Welcome to We're Not Fine. I'm Dr. Talia Jackson.
0: And I'm Doug Jensen. We thank you for listening every week to our deep and thought-provoking conversations about relationships.
2: Hi, We're Not Fine family. Family. Welcome I love to that word. the
0: show. Friends, family, in whoever you are to us, which you know, hopefully that's all it. Well, I don't feel bad. tantric distance.
2: lovers.
0: Oh boy, um, maybe we I have had have a
2: few. A, a mind-blowing episode for y'all today. Uh... Hannah Spanky, like, blew our minds, and we are not really ourselves yet. We are not back in our bodies.
0: Well, and so this intro (laughs) we're doing after the interview, that's what we need to clarify for you in terms of process. Like, we haven't—we are doing this after having interviewed her, and we're both feeling very deep and kind of heavy and— I got a little teary and I just love this person so much. Yes. And so, which, you know, you'll, you'll hear me repeat several times. Um, so we, we invited just encourage her you. Yeah. We invited yeah
2: to be yeah, a, a yeah. live event. That's which, how in love we were. Which, you know, we should let
0: everybody know. Yes. So we started a live event at my buddy, Nick Harper's studio. I love that man so much. I, yes. He's the guy who made the art that everyone knows I purchased, um, and had a big, nice, installation party at my home. Ooh. Um,
2: I got him a We're Not Fine t-shirt. Oh. We have to drop it off for him.
0: So anyway, but we did one there and then a month, uh, maybe six weeks later, it went so well, we did yeah. another one last week. Um, with the
2: doula sisters. With the Dula sisters. Birth and, and death.
0: The, we literally put it on uh, as people could like sign up for it. We had maybe 50 slots. It Sold was out. done in like two, three days. right? Yeah. So we just want all of our viewers to know we are doing live events now. We're going to try to do it every four weeks. It's our
2: new Everybody favorite. Everybody and
0: anyone is invited. If you're a current patient of either one of us, you are delighted. You, you are more than welcome to come. This is a professional event, of course, yes. and we encourage you to, if you en- like if you can endure hearing us any more than you well, already and do. And we've
2: had to be very thoughtful about yeah. this. So being oh, yeah. a therapist and all of a sudden becoming people who are speaking in public in our Community in Minneapolis. Which is a bit
0: of an odd experience, as we found out.
2: It is because it's a very small town in some ways and also a big yeah. metropolitan city.
0: Plus, you know, people see us on, on the tube, on YouTube, yes. if they're viewing us, and they come to these events and like see us in person, and it's yeah. I realized somebody was kind of just looking at me. And I'm like,
2: It's because you had toilet paper um streaming oh. off of your leg. Not because you're famous yet. <laughs> <laughs> yet, yet being the operative term. But we just wanted to put out there that we are having our, we figured out our next live event is going to be February 25th at this adorable restaurant in town, Cafe Gigi. Um, And we're going to advertise, we're gonna put everything out there, but we have this incredible guest that she just had an article in the Star Tribune um, about a communal table basically being the solution to loneliness and loneliness being a chronic health epidemic that we need to address and... Solve so that's going to be incredible.
0: Well, and look for us. Uh, You know, everybody has access to our Instagram accounts. It'll be on Instagram. We'll be advertising it there. We can go to. I don't think we do it on. We're not fine yet. We should probably do it that as well. I
2: I am. I'm doing. I'm on the website. Oh, you mean on the website? Uh, a very that good out. question i know
0: so anyway we don't want to take too much time on this because the real point of this introduction is to introduce hannah spanky who is really just a phenomenon we both enjoyed so much i'm honestly <sighs> over twice her age and i am literally like i learned more from her today it I felt know. so grounding and i absolutely loved it so really Pay attention for our live events. You're all welcome. We would love to have you come. But also, and we did invite Hannah um, to be a, a personal guest at one of our live events. I would be just be delighted for her to come from and did
2: she say Carson she has
0: City, Nevada and sex join us. Models? She's got sex models, and we'll talk all about this. You She's does. incredible.
2: This is so, just onward and upward. We're loving every minute of this, and we hope you love Hannah as much as we
0: do. Enjoy this episode. Enjoy. Take care of yourself. I am so excited to have you on our, on our show today. I saw your biography and I was like, I have so many things. And I'll tell you honestly, like we oftentimes have people who do what we do. And so it'll be like uh-huh. a topic that I can contribute to because I have my own sense of expertise with it. This is not it. So I'm just love incredibly it. excited to talk to you about all of this. And again, that smile is gonna be like be so uh-huh. great for me in this interview. I love, love, love your energy. By the way, where are you? <laughs>
1: I am in Carson City, Nevada, currently.
0: Okay. So how's the weather? Cause yes. we're like having 50 degree weather here in Minnesota.
1: It's snowing right now <gasps> for the first time. And it's, this is the second snow of the winter. Yeah. And, um, apparently this, I moved here like a week before Christmas. And apparently this is like the mildest winter we've ever had, which I think I brought on because I do not like the cold or the I snow bet that's at all. It. <laughs> Did you also
2: have an effect on the Minnesota winter? Because we're also having the mildest winter. We've, there's no snow.
0: There should be tons of snow in February. We don't have any.
1: How that's do you crazy. feel about it? Are you happy about that or is that not good news?
0: So Hannah, that's a beautiful question. Yeah. You know, So we do mental health, right? And so the sun, it's been a little dark. I love not having ice and snow right now because we're going to get some, but of course the concern for climate change has me somewhat concerned and sad. Yeah, yeah, right? That yeah. you're getting snow and we're yeah. not getting snow is craziness. My uh, older daughter lives mm-hmm. in L.A. and so she is talking about like they're they're expecting floods. This is the craziest right now? shift. Yeah. There's there's big warnings going wow. on. People like it need feels to pay. a
2: little apocalyptic. I see. Which I'm ready leave. for that. <laughs> Wait, you're ready for the apocalypse?
0: I do. I have a nuclear bomb shelter, you know, in my home. I I, do, actually. It's very strange. I have a nineteen (laughs) oh four home.
2: I would really prefer um, anything other than an apocalypse. I already told you that I am not on anyone's short list for like survivors and preppers. I is would okay? prefer to be eaten first because I'm not interested. Are you okay with me
0: eating you? Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, can you wait until I'm ready to be eaten?
0: You need to bulk up a little bit. Can you, <laughs> be, can you have a few burgers? Because your yeah. ass is not big enough for me.
2: Well, I better start doing that now before the apocalypse. Okay,
0: we're, we to get that back to That has nothing
2: to do with this amazing I don't topic, know that it doesn't. Personally. You haven't even introduced our glorious guest and what we're here to talk about.
0: So, Hannah, the intriguing question you had, everyone is happy with it here. I'm going to go back to that question.
2: Secretly happy. Secretly uh-huh.
0: happy. Because it's we can go running, okay. we can go biking still around the lakes that we have here in the it's Twin hot. Cities, but it's uh it's like eerie. We're kind of feeling like, what is going on? Yeah. Because by February, seasonal affect disorder is in full tilt in Minnesota. It's not.
2: No, people are in good moods. Yeah. Everyone's well, outside half naked. Well, well butrin yeah. or or a mild Minnesota winter. Hard yeah, to say.
0: I know for sure. But Hannah, I am so excited. And I'm just gonna read what we have of you yeah. as your biography because I'm never going to be able to memorize all of these lovely things about your personality and your work. So this is the interview uh, with Hannah Spanky, and you are a somatic healer, a relationship expert, which we are as well. So join us in this is so great. A tantra teacher um, and a spiritual life coach. So welcome so much to this podcast. I'm so excited to have you all the way from Carson City, Nevada, where it's snowing. Yes. Thank and thank you
1: so much. I'm oh so my excited gosh.
0: for this. We
2: great. I. Well, the reason why I just fell in love with your profile too. I just felt like, oh my gosh, we have to have her on the show yep. is because your background is in sex work and adult entertainment, and you have found your way to to this very enlightened, embodied, compassionate place and you, though your approach to relationships, like this is where I think like, yeah, this is not our background, we're fascinated, but you interweave a lot of somatic pieces, which is basically your nervous system and your body and sexology, astrology, human design, Tibetan Buddhist Tantra, animal medicine, and shamanism. We don't, we, like, my brain has exploded. I did what? Teach us, tell us, like, will you tell us what these things are? How did you find your way to this?
0: And I must tell you, you look young. And so I don't know how old you are and I think it's inappropriate to ask, but I'll be like, how the hell has she explored all of these things in this short period of her life at 12 years of age? Uh This
1: must be your 20th
0: Uh life. That's the only- So I'm sorry to interrupt. Yes, I'll let you answer that.
1: Yes, so um, I am about to turn 27. I am young. I am young to the point of my own surprise often. Like I'm Uh, like, I forget regularly. I forget, you know, and then I'm do I you feel that I was older and and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I felt 27 since I was like 12 for sure. I'm yes. like 48 currently. Yeah. I can wow. feel that. Yeah, Good. that would make you
2: my age. I'm um, 46. So
0: and I'm 28. So we're just yes.
2: slightly we're slightly different in ages, but people are like, oh, wow. <laughs> you look so young and people must think you look really old for your
3: age.
2: (laughs) So
0: Hannah, we have a big joke about how vain I am and how every time I have a guy at my jujitsu gym who said, what are you like 38? I'm like, yeah. So that was over 20 years ago, I'll tell you. And uh, I I was actually with somebody last night who said, I would have guessed 38. I'm like, I don't look 38, look close. So anyway, we're interrupting you with my vanity jokes.
1: (laughs) that is hilarious this is gonna be very fun fun conversation (laughs) um yes so uh long story short in the most like woo woo lens i feel like i'm like 500 million years old on a soul level like i've been here forever um but i just happen to be 26 in this lifetime this time around so sounds right you know i have my moments my moments of youth when i'm like Oh shit! Like I am really impatient about this thing, or like I do need to to learn how to you know handle this better. But um, for the most part, I feel like a like a wise hoot owl. Yeah, lots wow. of the time. We can already yeah. sense so, that.
0: I'll be curious if you were to answer yes. like why you think. And, and you said in this life, so I assume you have a belief system about uh-huh. multiple lives. Mm. But I am somewhat curious uh-huh. that you feel like this, and people use the word old soul, but I'll use old owl. Um, to what do you attribute uh-huh. that? Do you, do you attribute it to maybe prior lives that you feel older?
1: Yeah. Okay. I definitely do. I definitely do. Like, um, this is kind of off topic, but it's coming to my mind right now. I was saying this to my boyfriend a couple of days ago that like you know, the, the ick trend, how it's like, if something, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. I I told him, I said, I said, do you want to hear my most enlightened ick? And he was like, okay, tell me. (laughs) My most enlightened (laughs) ick. My ick is when I'm talking to someone that's like all hippie, woo-woo spiritual, they're using all the lingo. And they're talking about how they're like, as if they're so wise, and they're here to like reach illumination in this lifetime. And all of it is in the context of like, leaving their body at some point, like that's the end goal, you know? And to me, that is an ick. I'm like, Oh no. To me that tells me your soul is not that old at all because you still think getting out of here is the point. (laughs) I like am so not there. Like I feel very much. Um, and I say this, like this is exaggerated. So I don't, I'm not like I am, you know, Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that, (laughs) but, um, Ah. like in that master type of, type of archetype, you know, Jesus, Kuan Yin, whoever, all these different archetypes that are like ascended masters of sorts. Um, the theme in all of their stories is that they chose to come back time and time again for the sake of humanity, you know? And so that's my perspective Mm. more so where like, I see my own trials and tribulations and lessons and contribution to the whole as, um, like, this is my time right now, and I'm going to go as far as I can. And then with that, like, starting from that place the next time around, I want to go as far as I can. And I have every intention to continue to, like, consciously reincarnate for the sake of of collective ascension, collective healing. You're right. I'm not that, trying to get out of it. That
2: is enlightened. That's <laughs> well, next level. But
0: what's interesting is we both have seen a psychic who's been on our show a couple yeah. times, and she would say very much the same thing. Yeah. like. You continuously to come back to learn more, do more, etc. You know, and I've had a like I had an int- I have an intense relationship with someone that I didn't understand. And she's like, you've been married so many times in history. You've been that person's mother. You've been all these things. So it's kind of fascinating um, how this might work. And it, by the way, it just gives me immense peace, mm. even as you talk about this collective effort uh, in this world. So I love yeah. that. Yes. And maybe you were I'm just
2: kidding. Maybe you are or will be. But so how, <laughs> did? tell us a little bit about how you got to be where you are. And, and explored all these explore, ways, yes. right? Teach us, <laughs> oh enlightened one. We don't know anything <laughs> about any of in these. We older age
0: in this life, but she is wise. Younger
2: in Tantra. We want to know. Tell us the secrets to unlock.
1: The universe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so um, from that highest, like, you know, million foot overview, I think that we all come here with different soul contracts in place where it's like, we come here to execute a certain journey in this life or a certain contribution. And I think we all have free will as well. I do believe in free will that, you know, you can decide to go stand in traffic if you want to. I don't think that's a soul contract. I think that's a decision. But um, like from the highest perspective, I think that my soul came here to kind of be forged by the fire in the first, you know, 15-ish, 20 years of my life so that I could very rapidly awaken to all of this wisdom that I think I've held for a long time. But this lifetime, I needed to be like kind of blasted open through lots of very intense experiences. So starting very young, my parents split when I was about five. Um, It was rather... um, tumultuous. And I was then with my dad until about high school. So single dad raising me pretty much the whole whole way through those important developmental years, you know, um, he was rather emotionally unavailable, um, physically abusive, not sexually, but physically abusive. And, um, that left its impact. And then in high school, I chose to leave his house and live with my mom who was in a very low income situation. But I chose to be in that situation because, you know, my ego was winning and I wanted the freedom that I couldn't have living with my dad at the time. And so that led me into being in a position where I needed money that I didn't have. Mm. I would, I refused to ask my dad at that time. You know, mm. my pride couldn't handle it. The relationship was two on the rocks. And so I found myself stepping into that sex industry, that adult industry at 16, like mm. a month after I turned 16. So like fresh into my 16th year, I was already doing that you know very not 16 year old thing and so um it was what i would definitely say now in hindsight a traumatic experience at the time it was very very mild i thought and i was like whoa cool i just i I have the money that i needed great and i just Mm. disassociated like as soon as possible and i didn't have the tools or words or anything to deal with it then but um there was about a year gap or so and then i found myself in stepping into a circumstance like that again at about 17 And then once I was over 18, I was able to, you know, legally do some things. And so I started at an actual strip club when I was 19, 18, 19, Mm -hmm. worked there for a few years. And then slowly, probably halfway through that, I started to see my private clients at the club outside of that environment. So then it just eventually transitioned to that primarily where I was like a prostitution escort type of situation, Mm -hmm. meeting these men outside of wherever, at their homes, hotels, but it was my own deal. And I was outside of the club completely at that point. Yeah, And then um, through a couple of big grief loss experiences, um, the biggest one that I attribute my like spiritual awakening to in hindsight, I think we all have little moments of awakening where it's like, Oh, that really rocked us and changed something big. But this was like the big, like mm. nut cracking the shell open, like awakening was right. Like, the, the week before, week after, the, the month of my 22nd birthday. And so for the last five years, I've been in this journey, this very high speed journey, it's felt like at hmm. times, of at the beginning, waking up to the reality of the life that I was choosing to live at the time in that industry, having lots of issues in my romantic relationships because of the way I was choosing to make money, how I was treating my body, how I was treating myself. I was um, deep in an alcohol addiction, Um, cannabis, like just everything that I could do to dull the reality I was doing. And so I woke up to all of that all at once. And it was like, holy shit, this cannot stay the same. And so that started me on my healing journey, which again was kind of like a fire hose approach. Hmm. Um, I started everything at once. I started working with a shaman and psychics and mediums and Akashic readers and uh, breathwork and EFT and traditional therapy approach. And like, Somatic body work, every, every single thing that I could reach for, I reached for, um, virtual programs, in-person things, retreats, um, all of it. And so slowly, but well, I say slowly, but really it happened very fast. My gift to the world, like through my own healing, as I like healed one more layer in myself, I can see more clearly one more layer of what I'm here to teach. And then that kept getting more and more clear as I healed more layers. And I started to apply that and started I guess started my business about four years ago and started helping people at the levels that I could. And then just continued as I've deepened my own knowledge and process, adding that to how I serve my clients. Incredible. And also I feel like what you're saying isn't just like,
2: I sat around and read a bunch of self-help books, right? It was like, you lived a thousand lives, experienced, trauma, grief, loss, self-doubt, a relationship with yourself that you could only tolerate by dissociation. And then you became the one that sought out healing. I mean, it's, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, you know what's interesting is I'm sitting here just kind of riveted by the story and I forgot that we have questions for you um, and so I do not <laughs> want to go to those questions actually at all. Um, <laughs> Hannah, I want to stick, like you really just to scriptly talk about, you know, how it is that you even got into sex mm-hmm. work because the dynamics at home and you want it to be self-sufficient. I'm going to ask you some difficult questions and feel free not to an- answer if you don't want to. I would mm-hmm. like to know two things for those people who mm-hmm. say, why didn't you just get a job at Starbucks or Kohl's or something? Um, and why did you choose that? But then mm-hmm. also, um, and you really just riveted me when you talked about mm-hmm. dissociating and the trauma of entering this industry, are you willing to talk a little bit more about what that traumatic experience felt like and what was contributing to it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hannah, Absolutely. thank you. Yep. This is invaluable to our yeah. viewers and listeners, I'll tell you. So thank you.
1: Yeah, and thank you for asking and for for having this space and this platform because, like, from the higher perspective, like I keep circling back to, yeah. this is the point. You know, this is what I see. It's like pain into purpose. That this is what makes my my trauma valuable. Pain you know, into purpose. This is what purpose. allows me to okay. to give it as a gift versus just you know holding it as some sort of burden or something. It's something that can be given. Like everything in nature, which we are an extension of, is given. it's giving for re-giving. Everything is that type of cycle, you know, like you watch all the the mushroom um, documentaries on Netflix and stuff. And we literally can see how that's true. Like below the surface, like something dies, but it's not really the end. It always is giving for re-giving. And so I try to hold that perspective for my clients, especially when they're in some really difficult time, because whatever that is giving you, like if you are willing to take it, you can re-give that later. And so that's my perspective on the whole thing, just kind of as a, as a gist. But yeah. um, your first question about how did I get into it? Is that the first question?
0: The first question mm-hmm. was
1: if why someone that? were to say, why mm-hmm. would she
0: choose sex work to have money I instead? See. Go ahead, please.
1: Yes, okay. So I think kind of twofold my answer there. So on the one hand, kind of devil's advocate for that decision is I was raised very, um, entrepreneurial. And so like the idea of going and getting a job and working for eight hours or $8 an hour, which is what it was at that time for me in California, no matter what I did, like no matter how much effort, how much like, help I was, if I did the bare minimum, or if I was, you know, a teacher's pet, I would still leave with $8 an hour and less than that after taxes. (laughs) And so like, it just broke my soul to think about (laughs) trading my time for money in that way, even at that age.
3: Um,
1: And so there was, there was just no point of leverage. You know, it's like you walk in, you know exactly what's going to happen. There was nothing that I could control or, or, or make it better. And so I definitely sought out other jobs like commission-based sales type jobs where entrepreneurial stuff was, was going to vibe with me. Sure. But the issue was that nobody wants to hire you to do sales when you're under 18. <laughs> right. And so I could, I like really could not get a job. So even waitressing, I tried. I applied everywhere. It's like a joke to me now that I couldn't pay somebody to hire me as a waitress at 16. Isn't that fascinating? And so yeah. there was just, it's crazy. There was just no outlet. It seemed like. And so, um, that's the one one side that's more of a, like a positive argument for it, I guess. At the the bottom line is that I do not support the industry in any any fashion, which we can talk more about if you have questions about wow. that. Yeah, okay. don't but, tell us. Oh yeah, yes,
2: yeah. you sorry, finish that thought, <laughs> and then we'll. I, are you going to remember? Are we I'm, gonna I'm not only going to
0: remember, I, I don't think we're going to make th- it through the questions. Hannah, thank you for this. Like, this is exactly <laughs> yeah. what I'm hoping for. I I have not had, like, goose pimples during the um, interview, probably ever.
1: I told you so. I I'm told so freaking excited
0: about this. So, Hannah, please keep going.
1: Oh, my gosh. That makes me so, so, so happy. Yeah. Uh, okay. 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 So, the other piece, the side that is is definitely more in alignment with, like, how I feel about all of it, really, yeah. is that everything that I had experienced from birth to 16 at that point contributed to me seeing it as an option. Mm -hmm. And so for some people, it's not an option, literally, because their self-esteem, the way they learned boundaries, their ability to um, say no or protect themselves or value their own needs or whatever is, is established to a certain degree where it's not an option. You know, I firmly believe that all of us exist in whatever you know, frequency mm-hmm. we are where there's a glass ceiling above us and below us and our whole life is going to exist in that bandwidth you know and so where I was at this was an option mm-hmm. because yeah. like just as as a little girl for example having a dad who would get mad and spank me like hit me physically cross that boundary I learned very young that it was tolerable at the very least to experience something physically that I didn't like, or I didn't want Mm. for a purpose, you know, like if, if it was a means to an end. And so there was a lack of, of like an ability to advocate for myself and actually see it clearly. And I really relate trauma to being drunk where it's like, you can't consent when you're drunk and everybody knows that, Mm. but it's the same thing when you're heavily traumatized because your worldview, your Your how you relate to everything is just not as clear as it could be for you to make a a correct decision for yourself. So So,
2: in that moment of maybe it wasn't like a conscious decision, but knowing that it was tolerable to experience things physically that were really not what you wanted and maybe a way to Mm -hmm. take control over that situation and and master um, was to become an entrepreneur and to get paid for what you were able to the what you were able to provide I mean I wanted to say like well
0: and what led to it I mean that these 16 years of life led you to be able to see this as an option I would I would love to hear more about so you saw it as an option you understood that you could handle some things being done to you that were not necessarily your decision and were outside of your control Mm -hmm. but I am curious Mm -hmm. When you started, like a lot of people imagine that first time that someone pays you to do something and objectifies maybe um, might be a word that I might Mm -hmm. use. I don't want to use anything that's stigmatizing. And I cannot wait to talk about your experience of what you think the profession Mm -hmm. is viable or not. Um, I've worked with Mm -hmm. sex workers. I've actually found myself dating two people who said, I just need to let you know what I do. And I'm like, oh, Um, so I'm very curious about this. But I want to talk about that trauma thing. So when you finally had the reality of. Getting money in exchange for sexual purposes. Um, tell me what that mm-hmm. experience was like.
1: Yes. Okay. So, so help me remember, like my train of thought here, I because will. I want to backtrack a little bit. She um, has ADHD, so that. I'm going
0: to keep you on track. Yeah,
1: I, I, I can't help you with that. <laughs> I can. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. We have yep. the linear and the
2: non. Huge. <laughs> I'm hugely
0: linear. I'm riveted.
2: I'm on a different planet right now, but I think you're there
1: with me. Continue. <laughs> Yes, one foot in both places. That's the shamanism piece. Yeah. <laughs> we'll circle back to that. <laughs> okay. So um what I witnessed I always say this to my clients too, and it's and, and jokingly I say that it's unfortunate news for most of us, is that our like university for relationships, our our schooling for relationships is the household that we grew up in, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, that's what we see. That's what we expect is normal. Yeah. Even when you're in your adult years and you can consciously see something is okay. That's not right. That's not right. Your body is acclimated to it already. You know, like, as you guys know, like yeah. you're, it's may not actually be good, but it's comfortable in some way. It's that's right. It feels like home. Exactly. And so what I had witnessed with my dad for years and years and years in my childhood, he was a chronic like serial dater and was always like, super hesitant, resistant to actually commit and like claim a woman. And so I believe that I definitely internalize that as like, I have to earn somebody claiming me. I have Mm. to earn somebody choosing me. And I learned very young to leverage my sex appeal and the attention that I could get that way to find a sense of validation and try to get somebody to like choose me. And so At the age of 16, I had I had I lost my virginity my freshman year of high school. I was like 13 or 14 years old. So I was Mm -hmm. young. And so I was already sexually active. So that wasn't new feeling to me. And the idea that I could essentially exchange sex for something Mm -hmm. until that point, I had already been doing it. I had already been prostituting myself unconsciously for breadcrumbs of affection or love or whatever. This time it was just a dollar amount. And so it didn't seem like that far of a jump. Okay. Yes. And then as far as how that experience impacted me to answer your original question, um, it was in the moment tolerable. Like the guy was a very standard, like, you know, a four year old, you tell a four year old to draw a man, he might look like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> just a very standard looking guy, like whatever. Yeah. And it was like a, it was like a 10 minute interaction, one and done. I left, I had money. It was so quick and over. And so it was like, almost like because of all the, you know, anxiety in my body and everything, it's like, I really wasn't there. And so I just endured it left. And then afterwards, I experienced a split, split reality that definitely Mm. was like a soul fragment moment for me. On one hand, I thought, okay, did I just crack some sort of code? Like, is, is this good? Because I have money that I didn't have. I'm physically okay. I didn't just get, you know, hurt. I'm okay at that, you know, in those terms that I had then, I didn't think I was hurt, but I was also having like night sweats and night terrors and not being able to fall asleep and seeing this man's face flashing my mind, um, waking up and checking my phone just to make sure that I blocked his phone number. Like just like this frantic PTSD kind of feeling reaction just to um, try to like, you know, cover up that experience as much as I could to my conscious mind and i did for a long time and then i think just you know with it below the surface it just stayed below the surface as i added experiences on top of it a couple years later when i continued in the industry
2: it's like you were hiding from yourself that like split that fragment like the moral compass you were Deleting that from your apps in your brain of like, we're not gonna look at this. We're not gonna talk about this. It just is what I do for money. And, but it was like the Mm -hmm. somatic piece. I mean, the, you know, your body keeps the score. We always talk about Bessel van der Kolk and that there was a moment where it just sort of broke. And you saw it for what it was.
0: And for our viewers and listeners, that is what dissociation looks like when you either don't feel like you're in your body or you sometimes even uh, in the case of dissociative disorder can become a different person to tolerate and cope uh, and get away from the pain uh, that you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Um, Hannah, thank you for your, I want to say just bravery and being Mm -hmm. able to describe this. I actually want to ask you how you feel talking about it today.
1: So that's a good question. I'm going to turn off this floor heater because it's cooking me right now. Um, (laughs) I, I have never been asked this question. Let me sit with it.
0: (laughs) Take your time. Hmm.
1: I feel a combination of a few things. I feel a sense of neutrality dominantly. I feel a sense of neutrality. Like, like I, I'm recapping something that was not traumatic, you know? So, so it's been very heavily neutralized mm-hmm. in my life. And so it's like uh it doesn't feel like triggering or anything to go back and talk about. Um it also feels very kind of serious to me, like almost like dutiful, like a sense of responsibility with talking about it because there is just so much like population of this industry and every everywhere you look, the Victoria's Secret billboard, you know, on the side of the freeway, the sex joke in the comcast commercial like it's everywhere Mm. that sex is something to leverage as a transaction piece and so to have such a unique experience and a willingness to talk about it after fully healing from it like those three components are are unicorn-esque you know (laughs) like they are it seems like and so to be in this position and have the opportunity like you guys are creating by having this conversation to shine light on the reality of how this whole entire industry that is it's so embedded in our culture in our psyche how it actually works it feels like a big sense of like responsibility to me
2: And so the duty, the responsibility, like what would you say it boils down to is like the message that you're wanting? I know this sounds like we're wrapping up, but we're not. But like what is the what are you wanting to protect people from or enlighten people to be aware of or, you know, about the industry?
0: And add on to that, by the way, Hannah, you know, earlier when you said this is where I'll keep you on track, um, that you do not consider sex work as a viable option for people.
1: So I, the bottom line sentence, like if I could put it into one sentence of like the message is that everybody involved, is that sex work in any and all of its expressions is disempowering for everybody involved. Hmm. That's it. Like in in the most mild experience, it's disempowering. In the worst experience, it's incredibly traumatic. And so, you know, I see disempowerment even if we don't call it trauma, it's something that negatively impacts us. If you don't see like, you know, it was a very struggle filled uphill climb for me to get out of the industry Mm. because it wasn't a matter of finding another source of income. That's very surface level. It was a matter of finding a completely different way to relate to my own value Mm -hmm. and how I make money and what I have to offer somebody, you know, and really being able to get behind that myself. And so starting to actually see how much I was disempowering myself by seeing that as the only option or even the best option at the time was heartbreaking. And I had so much to process with that because it was so many years of self-abandonment, not fully connecting to what I was actually experiencing, what I actually needed from a place of being empowered to do that. And so even if you're you know, it's, it's your buddy's bachelor party. You're just having fun. You're just gonna go in and throw some ones and have some titties in your face. Like, great, hurrah. It is at the very least perpetuating a culture that is disconnected from themselves and each other yeah. in the most real ways. Because in order to even do that, the person on stage who's serving you has to be disconnected from her own pain. You definitely have to be disconnected from her pain. And it just, you know, how far back does that go? And so that's that's my perspective on it.
3: Hannah,
0: two follow-up questions to that. I'm curious, you said something about like you have healed from this. Do you feel like you ever fully heal?
1: So (laughs) yes and no. I think that you, as long as you're alive and you're a human being, I say this to my clients all the time, there's still something else. There's still more to learn. I could not agree more on like a a trauma binge and just feel like you're never, you're never Mm. good enough. You know, like that's a different story. But um, so not to be addicted to healing, but like, there's a new experience every day, every second. You can be triggered by the mailman tomorrow when you're 87 years old, yep. you know, like it doesn't 100%. have to be childhood trauma you process forever. Yep. And so I don't think that there's a fully healed in in this physical world ever because yep. we live in a world of limitation and duality and, you know, to mm. exist here, we have to have some limitation. And so I don't think we can even be here fully healed. I really appreciate the cosmos somewhere.
0: Yep. I totally agree with you. I mean, that's why I wanted to go back to that, because I think, you know, for people who are listening and viewing us, I think there's a part that, you know, this is an ongoing process. It never ends. I loved what you Mm -hmm. just said about like we could be triggered at 86 or 100 years old by a mailman because of what he's wearing for cologne or (laughs) how he walks or whatever it happens to be. Right. So I I really appreciate you going back to that. Um, God, do I have a number Mm -hmm. more questions, but I'm going to just keep going. So um, that moment where you had that aha moment, and you kind of were looking at how you were living your life, and how you were treating your mm-hmm. yourself and your body, and you know your value system, etc. Why do you suppose it happened when it did? Any sense of that?
1: I okay. So this is kind of another like uh, quirky concept that I have in my mind about the whole soul process, incarnation mm-hmm. process in general. Yeah. Like what I said earlier about the soul contracts thing. I think I see spiritual awakenings as kind of like the detonator to like opening the door to all the wisdom that you've brought into this lifetime.
3: Mm. And so it's
1: like, we come into this lifetime. I see it as kind of like consenting to forgetting all of this stuff so that we can go through our human experience and, and have that in this lifetime to learn from, to grow from, to have to kind of move through so that we can, expose our our diamond, you know, we have to like go through the pressure of our life and then we're at some point, it reaches this breaking point where I see it as like a detonation and I personally just see it as like, it's a possible timeline. Mm. So it's like maybe because of however I had made my decisions up until that point or what purpose I'm being called to execute in this lifetime or whatever, that that's the timeline that needed to happen where I woke up to these things at that age so that i had x amount of time to accomplish what i'm here to accomplish with what it showed me incredible that's a very (laughs) ungrounded answer it's not ungrounded (laughs) um
0: it feels like it probably gives you a fairly profound framework by which you can understand that transition and not have to overanalyze or doubt or question Mm -hmm. because your your meaningfulness about that transition in your life will help you. I mean, it, it obviously does help you yes. kind of move forward. Um, mm-hmm. I got to keep going. Um, so the other thing that you mentioned early on in this conversation that I want to keep us on track with, because uh, I imagine somebody was very uh, uh, drawn to your comment that having been in sex work has affected your romantic relationships. Tell us more about Mm -hmm. that. And also, if you could tell us about your boyfriend. Um, So, how do you manage this now? How does he understand this? How do you understand this? How do you two communicate about it? Please share.
1: Great question. And thank thank you you. for holding it down and keeping us on track. I'm going to. I got this, (laughs) Hannah. Thanks for being the masculine pole. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You're anchoring us in. (laughs) For sure. Okay. So, my philosophy on relationships is that they are the highest possible like in in their best expression in their highest expression they are the ultimate container for spiritual growth soul growth because that is like the most intimate you can be with someone and -hmm. the closest you can be with someone that's like the max amount that they can shine light on your stuff And that's the most you're ever going to be able to see yourself is through the lens of intimacy. That's amazing, Hannah. Thank you. And so I that's how I teach relationships. That's how I I do my best to live my relationships. You know, I'm triggered all the time, but I see them as gifts, opportunities, doors to walk Mm. through because something is being shown to me through this experience by my partner who is who is serving a role to help me awaken. You know, they're not it's not them against me. They're serving a role to help me on the path I've already said I want, you know? And so um, it has to be rooted in empowerment because if you're disempowered at all in the background, then that's when all the victim, the blame, the martyr, the bully, the blah, 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 Mm blah stuff comes out where you want to find an external reason for why you don't feel good, which is what I did for a lot of years. When I was in this industry, I almost always was in a long-term relationship at the same time, two years, three years at a time. Mm. And, there was always this disconnect for me, which I can see now was necessary for me to, to do what I was doing. I was constantly triggered by them being triggered <laughs> because they would feel naturally, they would feel upset. They would feel, you know, um, like I was cheating in some form. Like I wasn't um, fully choosing them. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't willing to sacrifice X, Y, Z for the relationship. And so, their lessons, the way I see it now, it's like, they were choosing someone who refused to meet their needs because they were refusing to meet their needs by saying, this isn't going to work for me, you know? And same for me, I was choosing people who constantly did not fully approve of me Mm -hmm. because on the deepest level, I did not fully approve of what I was doing. It required my ego, like loud and proud to be like, like, you're not paying my fucking bills. So why do you care? Like yeah. I'm not in a relationship with these people. It's just sex. It's just this very loud and like aggressive right. and um, defensive about it, so yeah. that I could protect something that I actually didn't love. Right. And so that was reflected in my relationships for years, where yeah. the person on the other side was. I was constantly like broken hearted about not feeling like they were really going to take me seriously or they wow. wanted a future with me or they were going to fully accept me and love me for who I was because I was identifying with that that version of myself as who I was which was going to keep being rejected by them and just perpetuate that comfort zone I had around feeling unworthy that's and so
2: brilliant like really i mean just even to the way you're conceptualizing how we keep continuing to find the same dynamics that we found in our childhood that we find people that see us the way we feel we should be seen even if our role is to fight against it we're fighting against what we're creating, too, and what doesn't feel good in our souls. And a lot of people, I mean, the the pain to purpose, that feeling of, mm-hmm. I think what ends up happening for a lot of people is we find that the worst thing that ever happens to us, I mean, I guess there are two choices. It's either it paralyzes you for life or you find a way to, I think what Kaya would say is like alchemize, like our psychic, psychic that we yeah. love, yeah. to alchemize. Mm-hmm it into energy or something that we can then find purpose and new identity in, which it sounds like you've made it the best thing that's ever happened to you by then creating this embodiment and empowerment.
0: I want to hear so much more because I will tell you something. I think people who have been raped or where sexual abuse is the case or, you know, being in. I mean, just all of the people who have not been in their body or felt empowered can learn everything from how you started your healing process, how you integrated it into your work, but really how you do your current relationship and how you view that.
1: They're so good. These questions are so good. Uh, okay. So for a long, long, long time, I was actually feeling victimized by my circumstance. I was feeling disempowered. By having to see these men, by having to be with a boyfriend that didn't fully approve of what I was doing, by having to X, Y, Z. And so I was very disempowered in reality. And the way it got expressed was that more aggressive kind of bully archetype yeah. where I was like, fuck you if you judge me for that. Because deep down, I didn't feel like it was actually you know, good. And so very defensive and once kind of the floodgates broke and mm-hmm. I could see things more clearly and then rapidly more clearly from there, I started to see, it was a, it, like, it's very um, poetic and sad kind of feeling when I think about it in hindsight now, how clearly I was able to start seeing my last partner mm. at that time that I would consider in like that kind of um, a sleep chapter of my life. Like how clearly I could see why he was with me for all the wrong reasons and how clearly I could see why I was with him for all the wrong reasons. And so at the three year mark in our relationship, seeing all of this, I was like, wow, it was, it was like, it immediately started the grieving process for everything that I had thought Mm -hmm. was the relationship up until then. And so, um, the next relationship I was in was two years, which we broke up about a year ago. And then the new one I'm in is, is it's only been about two months. So it's very fresh but the two year long relationship was like, I consider it like a second chapter for me in relating. It was, it was conscious the whole way through all the way through the breakup. Um, there was, I would say in hindsight, some trauma bond that still existed. Mm. Um, some dynamic, some victim dynamic kind of stuff that played out, but it was like leaps and bounds different and better than, than anything I'd ever experienced before. And then now, Um, I'll give you a real example of me being triggered. So (laughs) this man, he's wonderful. He's so, so, so incredible. Um, This man now, as far as relationship, using the relationship as a container to continue to evolve personally, because that's what I see it as. It's like my philosophy is like when we're souls, however you conceptualize that yourself, we are connected to everything. There is no separation. There is literally no barrier. We are, we are, we can experience oneness all the time. We come into this physical world where you, you are you and you are not Hannah and you are not Hannah. And like, we have to know some sort of separation to navigate. And so I think there's always this kind of longing on a soul level to merge to mm. be back in that feeling of oneness, yep. which is, you know, a very classy way of saying codependency. Ah. <laughs> oh, or ah. or ah. enmeshed, I know, it, but it is, there's, that's like, enmeshment, yes. that is what people want. Well, and we to, say
0: soulmate, right? Yes. For that reason, right? Like two uh-huh. halves of a yep.
2: whole kind yeah. of vibe, but you're yep. right, it is sort of codependency and enmeshment when looked at in one light.
1: <laughs> yes, and so I had to realize at some point that like, if I was, was gonna stay in that kind of paradigm of, of relationships where I'm buying into the whole one half other half thing, I'm gonna continue to find half of a person you know, mm. that needs me yeah. as their other leg to stay standing. Wow. You know? And so now what I see it as, and this is like every human part of you that wants to just cling and grab and addict and all these things, it's like that What is what has to be felt and grieved and let go of because I think the ultimate truth of like total relationship bliss is being able to be committed to somebody, mm. devoted to each other, but under the imp- like guys that you're devoted to yourselves first and you're both in service to one another to help each other on your individual journeys, recognizing that. You can never actually be one again this time, at, like right now, you know, in, we might get there after this life. Like but. in human form. Yes. Like you connect as two holes. Yes. And helping each other see those blind spots where we don't feel wow. totally whole in our human selves now. And so, my current partner, you're just,
2: we a, just like can't get over how
1: amazing you are and how brilliant. And I feel
2: like you are a shaman. You're like a, a master. This is your 50th millionth life and you're teaching us how to be human. I
0: don't wanna talk about anything else. I just wanna keep listening.
2: This is actually gonna be a nine hour I, <laughs> interview. So,
0: Hannah I'm wondering if you can I honestly I feel like I know are you out of body right now? I'm a little out of body I want to say I am so proud to know you thank you so much for you so much joining us I I am
2: flabbergasted
0: I almost want to get a little teary I'm just so incredibly profoundly moved by this interview Um, I want to go I want to go back to like when you start dating somebody what do you tell them about you
1: so good question. This is a very relevant question right now because I'm in this new relationship. Yeah, I've yeah. been talking about it on my social media. And so people have been asking me that question of like, what does your dating profile look like?
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so I've been sharing it openly and like making TikToks about it and stuff because I think there's a, like, I think it's important for people to learn how to date online in a way that's authentic to what they actually want. And mm-hmm. we don't get taught how to do that. And so- um, what I told him about, so this was my very first round of online dating. I've always just ended up meeting people in person and friend groups and whatever. So this is my first time trying the thing out. I made my Bumble profile. I met him within the first like 24 hours. We hmm. immediately got on the phone, talked for four and a half hours on the phone. Wow. So just one piece of dating advice. If yeah. anyone and everyone can hear me and never forget this, do not fucking go out with someone you don't talk to on the phone first, <laughs> 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 ever. That's <laughs>
3: it. That's great. Yep. <laughs> that is
1: great. Uh-huh. You know, and I might not have even offered
2: that as advice to people because I'm sort of like, get it over with. You don't need to chat with someone for 8,000 hours. you're not in dating world. No, I haven't actually dated anyone other than my husband for ten Hannah and I are in dating mode. I know, I know,
0: I know. But I also will tell <laughs> no, you that I'm, as a I dude, listen. I don't feel at all vulnerable either. So I'm like, yeah, bring it. Come to my house. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll kick your ass if you're not the person you say you are. Um, but anyway, I don't, that's <laughs> not great. Um, Hannah, keep going. But so no, you-
1: that's, a, that's like a safety reason, which is totally yeah. valid too, but right. I'm just literally thinking about, okay, so I, I met him, we talked on the phone. It was yep. great. Great. Lovely. Yep. On an intuitive level. I already knew I was texting my friends saying, I just met my next boyfriend. I was like, I know this is going to be my boyfriend, but like, for the sake of, you know, status quo, whatever. Okay, I'll play the game. Let me just continue talking to these other messages, whatever. So I ended up going on the phone. It was like a a Wednesday night, I wanna say, and we made plans to go on a date the following Monday. So I had a few days between like actually meeting him in person from that first connection. Mm -hmm. And I wound up going on one other date um, in in that gap of time. And this is what I'm, I'm saying the phone thing for yeah I will, assuming I'm in a dating position again in the future at any point, I, if I were, I would no. never subject myself to finding out somebody's like tone of voice and like demeanor oh. and you All know, I'm going hostage. Yep. Yeah. Then I'm hostage to an hour of dinner with this person that, like, I can't stand their voice or something. No, that is such a good point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting. First of all, I I love that you said tone of voice. I love that you said, you know, all the pieces that you can learn from someone on the phone. Like, how interested are they in you as well? Mm. Um, That is a great way Mm -hmm. to screen out. I will tell you something. I was single maybe... I've been, I'm single now too, but I went out on probably 20 30 dates in one year um, after I got single mm-hmm. after a long-term relationship and I would walk in and I would and regretfully would always like schedule dinner like yourself, like your hostage to an hour. I literally sat down with the last yeah. guy and this was why I needed to change something. He said, you're not into me, are you?" And I said no. And I thought you are the biggest asshole, Doug. You should have not, you know, committed to an hour. Well, you of dinner. should have
2: listened to Hannah first. I should have listened to Hannah, but and psychically <laughs> I'm not as old. as This is, as she is spiritually. full circle with yeah. like the ick, right? Yeah, it's like uh-huh. you need to uh-huh. know some of the preliminary yeah. potential icks.
0: By the way, and then this yes. dude was like, "Can we make out?" I'm like, "No." So I mean, no. <laughs> Like, and I know you get that, like, why would you do that? But it is a great way to weed out <laughs> right. chemistry. So did you, the current, thing, you know, boyfriend that up two months. So did he know all about yeah. your background? Did he know what, what your belief systems are?
1: Okay. So great question. So yeah. I made my profile as like polarizing as possible. I used every single character space that they would give me. Okay. Um, yeah. So like, I, I'm literally going to pull it up so I can read you an example. Oh, of what this I'm is doing. the I best my
3: life. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i will tell you right now so my bio okay you see my picture and i put my picture a picture with no makeup on because i pretty much live my life with no makeup on so that's another kind of life hack don't set yourself up to feel insecure by using your fucking glamour shot gq yeah. headshot like, you want to feel secure in what you actually look like when you meet the person. So and great. you also- I'll, uh, I'll take
0: mine down right now. And, okay. you,
1: and you want to <laughs> weed out the wrong
2: people. Like you want to show exactly. up in your profile as the pieces of you that you love the most. And the people that are not into that, they can- weed themselves out.
0: Do you mean my picture with Jason Momoa's body is not what I should
2: (laughs) Where it's like a completely different skin tone. (laughs) His hair.
0: I put his hair on me too. Anyway. All right. So you you (laughs) kind of showed yourself wrong. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Okay. So picture and then the bio. (laughs) The bio. So just like, I want to just read it for the contrast of what a typical bio sounds like, which is like looking for my adventure partner who likes tacos, you know, it's like stupid. and doesn't tell you anything about yourself or about them. What you value, nothing. Okay, so I put hippie at heart with watery romantic depths and a fiery bold expression. Yes, I wanna know your birth info, come prepared. (laughs) (gasps) I'm open for conscious connection and ultimately my life partner who shares a similar future vision. Babies, land, animals, a passion for truth, and life outside the matrix.
3: Wow! Wow.
1: And you're right, that is like, (laughs) nothing could encompass your
2: spirit and purpose more. And I feel like it probably went over 99% of people's heads. And only the Mm -hmm. people that know what the fuck you're talking about would dare reach out.
0: I don't know that that's true. I bet you have people reach out who are like, this sounds really like someone who could help me grow um who maybe. don't yes. have that potential right yeah.
1: yes i got probably half of yep. the men who ended up in conversations were like i've always wanted to know more about tantra maybe you could help me with That's this it. thing maybe you could help me with wait that a thing. second uh-huh. is that like, okay. of course but is that why
2: no one is ever gonna answer my fucking question about what it is what's sexology and what's tantra you guys keep juggling me around <laughs>
1: I'll give you the soundbite. Thank which, God. So Tantra, the, the Sanskrit word for Tantra, Tantra is a Sanskrit word and the direct translation means to weave. And so it's essentially just the I see it, it's a spiritual science and I see it the way I use it and teach it is as a, a tool to help our human self get on board with the interconnectedness of everything. So how our body, oh, our sex, okay. our mind, our emotions, our spirituality, how all of those things are at play with each other, none of it's really separate. Tantra acknowledges all of that as true, and like with, with every component of it. So it could be meditation, it could be the sex piece of Tantra, it could be a number of things, but... Um, the basis of it is that it's about weaving all components of life together Um, and it is a pathway to enlightenment where you know by weaving everything together you're no longer experiencing the illusion of separation which is enlightenment so that is that's the soundbite for tantra.
2: The you know describing sex and relationships as a portal to the divine like that tantra or tantra however you pronounce it is not just uh-huh. sexual but it's this all encompassing interweaving of everything and so yes. the divine like how is what what is the divine in terms of What are we, it's not just the the best orgasm of your life, but it's the closest that you can come to God. It's a character in
0: John Waters films. (laughs) Anyway.
1: Um,
0: I'm sorry Um, to interrupt, go ahead.
1: No, that's good. I see it the way I mean it personally, at least, and Mm -hmm. how I see it is I'm talking about life essence itself. And so that, you can use any number of words, the soul that's in your body your spirit your life force energy god consciousness source life force uh, i said life force already universe uh creator all of those things i see it as interchangeable you know it's all just a word to describe that like um infinite part that uh animates everything and so like i think it was a wayne dyer quote a long time ago i heard he said like um The Tao that the Tao that can be named is not the Tao, something like that. So it's like the name doesn't matter. The name is semantics to me. Divine is just the word I wrote. But I see it as a way for us to experience in a human way, a a uniting with our spirit, with the, Mm. the energy that makes this experience possible with that God force, that life force, that source energy, the thing that, you know, fills up your body with life, that goes on once your body doesn't that part is what i see is the most accessible through the lens of a relationship that you're willing to to see yourself better through so if you have full of ego the relationship won't work but (laughs) i mean so asking for a friend (laughs) how could
2: (laughs) just some random joe and random jane who have been Together for twenty-five years, you and Rob, who only know, let's say, seven positions. <gasps> <laughs>
0: and who have TMJ. So <coughs> wow,
2: <laughs> I am in physical therapy.
0: Hannah's my new best friend. Hannah, Fyi, tell
2: us how mere mortals can incorporate some tantric loving. <laughs> Into uh-huh. their um, suburban <laughs> middle-age lifestyle.
0: <laughs> do you really want to ask that question? Okay, yes, I,
2: without
1: you. I've got you. I want to forget Doug is covered. here. I'm, I'm talking to Hannah. Hannah, tell me. I've got you covered. Okay, so what are we doing? We're doing like Tantra for the Avon Lady. Is that the answer? Let's yeah? do it. Yes, sure. yes, the Avon Lady. <laughs> <A-K-A-A>. Suburbia
3: Tantra.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Subur- suburbia Tantra. Okay. Yes. So. <gasps> suburbia
0: Tantra. Oof. It's go hot. <laughs> is it hot? It's not. Go on, That's go on, Hannah. You're going to find out how to make it
1: hot. I'm listening only to Hannah. Okay. I am going to answer you with two answers. One of them super practical. So, like, I would say anyone listening, write it down. Put it in your notes app or something. And you can do this with a hookup that you just met or your partner of a million years. It does not make a difference. This is such a valuable conversation to have. Some of the letters don't apply if you're in a committed relationship, but some of them do. So it's an acronym. First letter is R. Okay. R actually let's just be complete. First letter is O. O is orientation. So that's like, who do you have sex with? And you know, I think that's appropriate to disclose to who, whoever you're having sex with. So O is first, R is second, R is relationship status. So this is what you don't really need. If you're, you know, you're married, you know, you're married. Relationship is like, are we in a relationship? Are you in a relationship? Is there anyone that's gonna be impacted by us having this connection? That's R. Next is B. B is boundaries. So maybe for you know 20 years, Jane has been getting her hair pulled by her husband and doesn't really love it, but mm-hmm. just has kinda of tolerated it a little bit for all this time, cause it's no big deal. It's just a couple seconds. That could and should be a boundary that creates more safety, more space for Jane to have a fuller experience with nothing that that is like, you know, no contraction. I no will let Jane know. It. Okay, beautiful, thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> boundaries, it's like as many as you can set, set them so that you know that you can fully relax in what you're gonna experience without any flinching required. D is the next letter, D is desires and fears. Mm. So if you are in a long-term relationship, for example, wanting to like start to deepen things, you might have the desire of feeling connected in your heart the whole time you're having sex. That could be a desire. It doesn't even have to be about pleasure. It could be an emotional component. Mm -hmm. And even just sharing that with your partner might open them up more to you. And so that in itself makes it more tantric because now you're more united, you're more in union Mm. with the whole experience. F is fear, so it's like, I fear that um, you're gonna get lost in the pleasure and you're gonna disconnect from me and I'm gonna be afraid to speak up. That's one of my fears. Hmm. And so it's just like getting really real with what is there so that you can be in union on every level, mentally, emotionally, sexually, because that's what tantra is, bringing it all together s is next s is safety so this is like stds pregnancy um, protection anything you need to disclose m is meaning what does this mean to you does this mean it's just for fun and we're gonna high five after each other after this and i don't even need your phone number does this mean that we are recommitting to our 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 life together does this mean that we are blowing off stress because for one person, it might mean blowing off stress while the other person is trying to have a meaningful connection. Yep. If you don't know that you're not mm-hmm. on the same page there, it's gonna feel like a disconnection no matter what. Yep. And so that meaning piece can really like help to to reconnect you just to, to what's going on for yourself and your partner. And then the very last one is A, which is aftercare. And that is like, what do you need or desire afterwards to feel what you wanna feel? So if you um, have sex and the pattern is, your boyfriend girlfriend immediately hops up and runs to the shower and you feel a little bit abandoned in that moment Mm. and it's just something you blow off but like it bothers you maybe after care you need 15 minutes of cuddling to finish it out before you go your separate ways something like that so my simple first answer is like get clear on what's below the surface for you and your partner before you get naked (laughs) that's how to start making your sex life more tantric and deeper because if you can't have these conversations with clothes on, you're not going to have them with no clothes on, for mm. sure. How does that feel to And so,
2: Well, it feels great <laughs> because whenever I thought about, I mean, Jane and Joe, because I always thought uh-huh. about um, Tantra as taking like 12 hours. and Like, like
0: Sting or Woody Harrelson.
2: Um, I don't really know what you're referring Uh to.
0: Hannah (laughs) does.
2: Sting and Woody Harrelson, (laughs) are they together doing tantric things?
0: No, um, they talk a lot about not needing to orgasm.
1: Oh, so so semen retention, semen retention is a practice for men to learn that makes tantric sex that just can go on and on and on more possible and accessible because then, so in the actual nervous system, In the actual nervous system arousal, like the ability to get hard and ejaculation are separate functions in the nervous system. One of them is a reflex and one of them pleasure arousal comes from the body actually being relaxed. And so when you start to get up there and you actually get more tense, you probably notice you tense up and then you come like, you can train the body to relax into that more. And then you're in total control over when you come, if you come. So then a man can become multi-orgasmic and last as long as he wants, and then you can do whatever. But you can have a 10 minute tantric quickie if you want. And that to me just means that you are fully present. You're fully there with each other. There's nothing that is a separate thing. You know, it's, it's unified the experience. So it's, you know, eye contact. You're both aware of what the other person needs and wants. You are plugged in. Even if it's the person needs it to be over in 10 minutes, you being in service to that could be tantric because what you're, a relief! You're in union.
0: Are you feeling really? <laughs> yes.
1: Well, because I feel like my only
2: <laughs> obstacle to even wanting to learn more about it is I'm like, I don't have that kind of time. time. Like I don't have yeah. I don't have 24 hours to be in a dark room licking honey off of people. I mean Ooh. Jane and Joe. Uh-huh. But so I really love <laughs> the idea of a tantric quickie. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hannah, is it too soon to say I love you. I, and I'm not done. No. Well, but look, we have to be done.
0: I don't want to be done. Can I ask one last question? I'm going to ask one last question. I'm even going to ask. It better um, be a
2: tantric um, I know you weren't
0: done with your answer for Talia's marriage, but I want to, I want to just
2: say something about your friend. amazing,
0: uh, your mirror. Um, So what I would say about this, one of the things that really just resonated and it's one last question. This is really important. You'll be glad I ask it. So (laughs) you kind of talk about this authenticity and you talk about just being yourself no matter what. I will tell you, I always tell my clients, the goal is to not care what other people think. The goal is to live your honest life. The goal is to be who you are in this world. Um, And you so beautifully talk about being able to do that. What would you share as your secret to our listeners and viewers about how to not care what people think and to live your life authentically?
1: You're right. That was a good one. I love this question. Thank you for this question. You're welcome. And I'm going to get all spiritual on you. Feel free. So <laughs> um, the way I want to answer this question is with that framework, that lens, that we are all just one different expression. Like I love the meme on, I've seen on Instagram where it's it shows like, a big giant, it's like God, some image of something that's supposed to be God with like a fi- a hand under the surface and then the fingers sticking up through the earth and each finger is a person. Yeah. So it's like we're all all—we're all a different expression of that same divine energy, mm. however you think about it. And so my answer to this is in that framework that like we all come from a completely united source and return to this, this um, unity consciousness where there is no separation, there is no judgment, it's only unconditional love, all of that. So... If you can get behind that or even pretend to get behind that in a yeah. moment when yeah. you're consciously trying to pep talk yourself, realize that you are doing yourself and the world a disservice by using this temporary experience of of human life to be anything other than that unique expression of the divine that you are. Because mm. you are the only one on this planet right now that is that expression and will ever be. And so there is no other way for you to be that can actually fulfill your purpose here. Right. And so you're either living your purpose or you're living something else. That's oh, my not God, you even are.
2: it's literally the bottom line. It's like that is our purpose. What else is there but yep. to really become more and more ourselves? But then also with that, to be accepting and loving people for as who they are as they are and not who we wish they were. Like we all have to yep. be showing up as more ourselves.
0: I will tell you, Hannah. Yeah. Um, thank you for that answer, mm-hmm. and I can't thank you enough for all of this time. Um, I find myself in this life at my age, not feeling like I learn from everybody anymore. Mm-hmm. I find my opportunities for that to be lessened. Um, I have loved mm-hmm. this time with you in a really big way. I have probably not listened so carefully to someone in a really long time. Um, I do mm-hmm. love you. I'm really grateful to know you, oh, and and really yeah. grateful for you spending I love this time. You both. Um, we don't usually
2: you. kiss our interview No, guests. I will
0: kiss you a million times. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Hannah. I'm yes. really, really thrilled with this interview. I, I really have like 20 more questions. I know,
2: but we have to have a part two and possibly a part three. Yeah. Will you tell our yep. people where they can find you? Um, what Plug anything that pl- your social media, like wherever you want people to find you.
1: Yes. Thank you for that. And I love you both so much. This has been so incredible. I can't wait till we have more time so I can just like inundate you both with all my reflections of how wonderful I think you, uh, you uh, are. Oh, well, we will, we'll be accepting that. We have another my 20 head. Minutes. Yeah, <laughs> we will oh, have two mind. hours to hear how wonderful we are. Well, and also
2: uh, we, we each probably have another 20 questions.
0: I, yeah, I know. I'm yeah. bothered by it. I don't usually feel this way.
2: We'll have to sit in our discomfort and turn our pain into purpose. I'm
0: gonna have to use alcohol. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. Viewers.
2: okay
1: where where <laughs> right. can we find you Hannah okay. so the best place if you are on social media is to find me is Instagram at Hannah Spanky H-A-N-N-A-H-S-P-A-N-K-E and um, that's the place that is the most active for me I'm the most updated I create content almost every day story or post something so you can really follow once and just stay tapped in I will and follow you, you today go there you can go to Awesome. I'm excited about that. You can go to the link in my bio. And if you want to just stay connected to my work and kind of get a taste for things right away, the very first link in my bio is to sign up for my free monthly masterclass. I decided to do that for this year. Mm -hmm. Every month I'm choosing just a different topic that feels relevant at the time and doing an in-depth training for free that you can join for, for free live and come, come get a taste of what I do. And Mm. so this month for February is going to be all about breakups. So if you are going through it on the horizon or like have past baggage that you don't feel like has ever fully been healed, come to class. It's free. I think you'll get a lot out of it. And then um, my website is hannahspanky.com. It's being remodeled. So there's not much there currently, but you can get on the email list and stay plugged in. Amazing. I
2: I mean, I'm so excited to come back. Truly, I'm excited Yeah, to have you're you back. going to have to. You're. I don't think we looked uh-huh. at the um, actual itinerary once. We did not. And Doug did such a beautiful <laughs> job pulling it together. But yeah, I feel like we all yes, just connected did. on this cosmic level.
0: And now you can work on your marriage, mm-hmm. um, which
2: was already fabulous. <laughs> but that's you know a joke. It
0: was fabulous. I love. There your is
2: not a lot of tantric
0: Uh-oh.
2: connection in these like longer relationships. Should I warn Rob that you're talking
3: about?
2: <laughs> Okay. No, no. It's the opposite of a warning. It's more like get ready, Hannah. The
0: other thing, mm. um, and I realize we would have to have you travel, but we do live events mm. now every four weeks, uh-huh. and we have somebody in. I would love to have her,
2: and we are pre-rich and pre-famous. We'll 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 get rich and fly her out.
0: <gasps> I'm really I'm really serious. I think you would be a really delightful. I would love to do that. <gasps> okay.
1: Oh my God! I would Hannah, love to do that.
0: I realize and we, we can probably... take it any
1: number of directions. I have all my sex models. We could go that route. We, <gasps> can, we can go any route you want. We I want to go all the routes. Yes, I
2: yes. knew you would love her. <laughs> Stop looking like you're about to cry. I already know. I do
0: feel a little bit like I want to cry, at I Hannah. Know. I'm really, really grateful. Thank Me you. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank and there so will much, be more. Both of
2: you. Yes. Okay. And Yes. Thank you to everyone listening, and we're so incredibly grateful, Hannah. All of these things that you said of where to find you, they're going to be in our show notes. Friends, we are, like, trying to process why we feel so emotional and teary about this beautiful interview with Hannah that... She's so incredibly wise beyond her years. And we need to sit with that material probably like 30 years before yeah. we can make sense of it all.
0: So we we decided to like we usually have a second between when we record with a, a guest and we process a little bit and then we actually have time to think about what we wanted to say, but because we're both feeling emotional after that interview, um we wanted to just kind of show you the raw piece of this. And I'm not sure, like I just yeah. told Talia and she said, let's put the record button on. Yeah, we want I don't to process know what my reaction you. is. I can't quite figure out what it is yet. I feel teary. I feel um, incredibly connected um, to Hannah as a person. And I feel, as I said many times, they're like really proud to know her and really grateful for her story. Um, it's obviously hitting me in a certain way personally and i'm trying to figure out what that is um so i just want to encourage everybody to pay attention to this or other episodes where you're really touched and Mm -hmm. i will be processing this later um i don't even know how to process it now
2: like that it really just resonates i think like for me when i get chills or i just get this sense deep within me when something rings as truth and i feel like she has found her purpose on the planet and nothing makes me happier like it makes my soul sing to see somebody Mm -hmm. who knows themselves so well that they can get to the point of their suffering, like just like what she said a million times, right? Yeah. The yep. the pain to purpose, like she has figured out how to yeah. make herself of service with what she has been through and what she's learned and share all of the insights.
0: Maybe that's it, you know, this whole pain to purpose thing where, you know, you and I as clinicians as well, I oftentimes, and maybe this is what's resonating for me, I oftentimes will tell people that how I do therapy as a therapist and how it is that I've integrated the use of myself into it. Mm -hmm. I have a tough background. I have some abuse. I have some neglect. I have some abandonment. I have I have all kinds of things in my childhood. And as a result of that, I always tell people that the way that I became a good clinician is I knew how to scan for safety. I knew how to scan people to decide who I could share with and who I couldn't and who I could trust and who I couldn't as a result of my childhood experience. And so I think what was really resonating for me with Hannah is, you know, I've used that pain that I had, you know, it's funny, my clients will absolutely say oftentimes that I'm like, I just kind of stare when I first meet them and as I'm doing my assessment I just like and, and and you know one client said you're looking through me you're making me really nervous and I'm like I am I want to see everything and I'm feeling everything that you're doing and I'm I'm taking it all in but I'm really feeling at that time and I don't necessarily it's almost like I feel like I'm in a trance of some kind trying to understand their pain and resonate with it so that I know how to help um, and I think Hannah kind of just speaks to that sort of depth yeah. Um, and and her experience which again as a sex worker as a, an alcoholic. Symbolic, um and which we addict. didn't even touch i know on. we didn't even touch on she's because it's three didn't...
2: and a half years sober like and she's 26 years old and has lived a thousand yeah. lives in this lifetime and clearly before because she's seeing everything yeah. with such per- perspective like bird's eye view um
0: so we hope that you enjoyed it
2: yes we really just wanted to sort of process out loud sort of yeah. like this is like this fourth wall idea that maybe we should incorporate into our podcast where we're processing at the end with you. Maybe. But friends, if you enjoyed today, please like, subscribe. We love your ratings. We love your reviews. Thank you
0: very much for those positive comments.
2: Yes. we Yeah, we love your positive co- comments. And always send these episodes to your friends, your enemies, your parents. Wow.
0: Your frenemies.
2: Your frenemies.
0: And go to not fine.com if you have any questions you want to ask us in any way, shape, or form about anything about life, anything about mental health, any any challenge you're having in your life, anything that's going great. Share your positives, too, at werenotfine.com. There's a space directly for you to write uh, to us and let us know what you're thinking.
2: And if you're only listening to us on the podcast platforms and you haven't discovered us on YouTube. On the tube. We get dressed up for you. We coordinate (laughs) our outfits for you. Kind of. We try to cutify ourselves in the same direction. I have
0: no leopard patterns. Leo
2: paired. Yeah, I'm wearing...
0: You have one yellow stain. I can't tell if that's from your lunch or if that's
2: from. Um, It is on purpose. This (laughs) is like, I had to pay extra for that yellow stain. Okay.
3: Okay.
2: Um, Social media. Douglas L. Jensen with an E-N. Dr. Talia Jackson. Have I ever spelled my name? Is it obvious? T-A-L-I-A Jackson. And We're Not Fine Pod. And if you just go on YouTube and look us up. I'm gonna call you Tantra Jackson from now on. Thank you. You're welcome. Tantric Jane.
0: <laughs> Love you all. Thank you all so, so much for your support and for continued listening. Uh, we appreciate every one of you. Take care.